powerful is that line? It's our breath. It's your breath in our lungs, and we praise you. It's powerful. You know, when we sing together, singing in church isn't about adding an item to our worship flow. We sing together because there's no more primal way of showing our worship to a God who is worthy of praise. And if you ever hear, especially when it's one of your favorite songs that you sing, you may not notice, but you start to sing louder. And something about the song and the music together fills us with joy because that's how God designed things to be. And so it is his breath in our lungs, and we worship him. Will you bow your heads with me as we begin our sermon? Heavenly Father, we've, we've said it through song, and our hearts are filled with joy because of your presence. It's our prayer now that as we spend a few moments in the word, that you would speak to every person who is here in the way that they need to be spoken to. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Kara and I were recently, recently took a trip, and we said before our baby arrives, we'd like to take one last trip, and we wanted to go to Italy, but we didn't, because we just didn't have the time or the resources to be able to go out there. So we said, well, what's a close second for us to do? So we decided to go to Montana, <laughs> and it was beautiful. We were there for only a couple of days. But in order to get to Montana, it was really expensive for us to fly out of LAX or, from, or John Wayne. So we found this really good deal, but you had to drive to Las Vegas. So we drove there. That was fine. We flew out. The, the flight was like an hour and a half or two hours. It was great. But one of the reasons that I was so happy to drive that four-hour drive to that place was because I knew that when we came back, I was going to have the opportunity to eat at a place that is my number one favorite place in all of the world. It's Giordano's Chicago-style deep dish pizza. I know, if you're a guest, you're just like, what's going on here? It'll make sense. So one of the things, um, when I was driving through there last year from a conference in Colorado, I was driving home, and I noticed that there was a Giordano's pizza there in Las Vegas, and it was like the best news I had ever heard, because as you heard the, ch the children's story, I, it was no joke. I would volunteer to take my friends to Chicago just so that I can have some of this really delicious, delicious pizza. But I told Kara, look, here are the rules, though, Kara, because she'd never had this before. I said, here are the rules. We have to get a small one because it's not like a normal pizza. You can't eat it all, like, in one sitting. Like, we have to get a small one. Trust me. So we got a small size pizza. I ate two slices, and I said, that's it. You know, I'm trying to be healthier. I don't want to gain weight. So we took the other two slices home. But see, this was so good that even though I was full, Throughout the night, because we stayed the night there, throughout the night, I kept going back to the refrigerator and taking a bite and taking another bite and another bite. At one point, I said, Kara, this isn't, you're not going to like how this tastes tomorrow. She's like, probably not. So by the time morning came and we checked out, all of the pizza was gone. 
Because sometimes things are so good, we can't resist them. Taste is a powerful thing in our human experience. I think we're told that we have about 2,000 to 4,000 taste buds in our mouth, most of them on our tongue. And from a very young age, we develop these certain kinds of taste for things. You know, there is something, whenever we ask these kids, what is your favorite thing to eat? It's because over time they have developed this tendency to love certain things more than other things. And here's the thing about taste buds. They can actually change over time. Let me give you an example. If you've ever tried to eat healthy, the first couple of days are pretty rough, aren't they? Like when you substitute the french fries for broccoli or carrot sticks, it's just like, it's not the same. (laughs) But what happens after day three, day four, day five? What starts to happen? All of a sudden, the taste buds that were craving the fried, delicious goodness of fries, all of a sudden, unbeknownst to you, begins to say, man, I can't wait to sink my teeth into that broccoli. I can't wait to have those carrots. That's because the way that your body was designed is that your body can adjust and adapt to things and it can begin to crave the better, deeper things in life. But you know, we live in a time and in a place where we don't want to wait the three or four days for our taste buds to change because we want instant gratification now. We want the satisfaction. We want to satisfy our taste buds right now in this moment. And we don't have three days for them to adjust. We don't have a week for them to adjust. And so we go for the easy, quick fix things in our lives. But what we find in scriptures that the psalmist writes, he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And happy are you who take refuge in him. You see, we like that first part where we always say, like, yeah, taste and see that the Lord is good. And we know that it's an imperative for us to learn to be more in the presence of God, to take in more of God. But see, part of this sentence is also that if you do taste, if you do enter into the presence of God, what the scriptures tell you is that you will, you will be happy and you will find safety within the presence of God. And the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Just like we have taste buds, I believe that we have something that are called soul buds. Have you ever heard of them before? I've just made that up, so I, but I think you understand what I mean, right? We have in our soul this capacity to take things into our lives. Now, the Bible tells us that the Son, if the Son has set us free, you are free indeed, which on the one level means that Jesus has set us free from the punishment and the consequence of sin. The death on the cross sets us free from that, and part of the freedom from being free from the eternal punishment of death, the second part of that verse is that you, in your freedom, in the decisions and in the choices you make, you will either be led into more freedom or you will be led into bondage. You see, that's the thing about God's grace. He creates you with the ability to make decisions on a daily basis from moment to moment. And sometimes the decisions you make in your freedom will lead you into slavery. That's what happens when we get addicted to substances. That's what happens when we get addicted to certain kinds of foods that we know aren't good for us, or we get addicted to patterns of life. But it is in this same freedom that God gives you that you can always also choose to do things that will lead you into more freedom. 
And so when the psalmist says to taste and see that the Lord is good, he knows that you are set before you these options to either choose Christ or to choose something or some other person. And the psalmist says, if you just taste, you will see that God is good. It's like this pizza. It's a funny, silly illustration. The reality is, I didn't know this, but they actually mail you these pizzas home if you want to. I told Kara, every birthday, every anniversary, every Valentine's Day, President's Day, Veterans Day, Memorial Day, Sabbath. (laughs) You see, the psalmist knew that you are constantly being tempted one way or another. But when you finally sink your teeth into something that is so good, we generally then preach sermons about it to try to convince people about the goodness of this thing that we've just had. See, the Bible writers knew that if you just expose yourself a little bit to God, he would be irresistible to you. But you see, a lot of the times we let so many other things get in the way of us just being in the presence of God. This past week, Kara and I, we were the preachers for a week of prayer at Orangewood Adventist Academy. And part of what that entailed was that we had to be at school by, what, 8.30 every single morning. Now, Kara normally is at work by 8.30, so her schedule is pretty set. But I, my work is at home doing Bible study and getting ready for my soul for the week. I don't have to shower or get dressed or anything like that. But this week I did. And so one of the things that I learned is it is really hard for all of you to get up in the morning, get ready. If you have kids, get your kids ready for school and then get to work because you want to keep your job. It's really hard unless you wake up really early to begin your day with that kind of sense of being in the presence of God. And I got to tell you, there was a couple of days this week, and I'll be honest, that I didn't wake up early enough to have that morning ritual with God. And I realized that without that, things just seemed a little bit off. Life was still good. I mean, we still, we preached three sermons every single day for the K through 12th graders. We taught some of their classes. It was exhausting. And by the end of the day, we would come home and say, we just need a nap. Now, we didn't normally take naps, but that's how it felt. And it gave me a glimpse into the life that you all are living who are going from morning to evening working and having to do all this. And I realized that tasting God sometimes is difficult. But here's another way that you can do this because here's what happens. One of the things that I'm thankful for is that our parents, my parents, taught us that you always want to begin the day with God. And so we weren't allowed to watch television or listen to anything unless we read our lesson first. It didn't always happen, reading our lessons, but it instilled in me this imagination of when you begin your day with God, when you taste of the presence of God, a lot of things begin to fall in place. It doesn't mean that you will avoid hardship, but it means that when difficult things happen, frustrations happen in your day, you are ready to take them on. And so there is this ancient way that the Hebrew writers would talk about the name of God, and I want to show you this. And here's what we showed the high schoolers and the kids yesterday. We asked them, how do you enter into the presence of God? And they would say what? Prayer. What else? Bible study, like reading your Bible. What else? Church. What else? Like that's kind of, like that's where they maxed out. And I said, I want to show you a new way 
where you can be aware of the presence of God. And this is something that Paul says. Remember the verse when Paul says to be continually in prayer? And it's really hard to be continually in prayer when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're doing all of these things. But here's what the ancient Hebrew writers that I think Paul really understood. What is the name of God in the Old Testament or the name of the Lord? Yahweh. So in the Hebrew, Yahweh is is spelled Y-A-H-W-E-H, Yahweh. And in the Hebrew, which is what the Old Testament was written in, they only had consonants. Did you know that? There were no vowels in the original text of the Old Testament. And so they would only ever write the name of the Lord, Y-H-W-H. And here's what the ancient Hebrew teachers would say. That the very letters of the name Yahweh, which are Yod, Het, Vav, Het. Do you see how there's that guttural sound? They would say that those letters of the name of the Lord are actually the sound of breath. And they would say, so every breath that you breathe, you are actually whispering the name of God. That's why that song that we sang, it says, it's your breath in our lungs. From the very beginning of time, God did what to Adam and Eve to bring life to them? He breathed into them. And so there, and and, and you will know that our human body craves to live and craves this breath of God. And so as the ancient Hebrew writers would say, every breath that you breathe, you are in essence speaking the name of God. So when Paul says to be continually in prayer, it wasn't just to always be thinking about God, but it's to be constantly reminded that even the very breath that you have is whispering the name of God. God is present. We just aren't always aware of it. And so the next time that you're stressed out and frustrated, if you just pay attention to the fact that your body is breathing, because you don't have to remind yourself to breathe. It just does it. And so we often take for granted the fact that we're breathing. But if you just stop to, just to, stop to, to notice for a moment that it is the divine breath of God who continually gives us life. And so we are confronted with the words of the psalmist who says, taste and see that the Lord is good, and you will be happy when you take refuge in his presence. You know, there's, um, you know, in life we are filled with desires. And that's why he recalls, and that's why he invites us to taste God, because he knows that we have all sorts of other desires. And in the Christian faith, we often say that you want to get rid of all of your fleshly desires. You want to get rid of all of these wants and desires that you want because they're bad. But what is, here's what the Bible tells us about desire. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So when you're longing for something, when you have a dream, an aspiration, or something in your life, to keep putting off that thing that you want makes the heart sick. What does the second part of the verse say? But a desire fulfilled is what? It's a tree of life. The tree of life shows up in Genesis where it says that the Adam and Eve were in the presence of the tree of, a tree of life, which is symbolic metaphor for the, the life of God in your presence and you flowing with streams of living water. And what happens when Adam and Eve are kicked out of the Garden of Eden? It says that they will now be away from the tree of life, which means that they were now no longer in the actual presence of God. But what we find here is that when you have a God-given desire, 
when you are truly seeking to taste God to see if he is good, the Bible tells us that that desire will be fulfilled in such a way that it will seem like you are in the presence of the tree of life, which is the presence of God. Bad desires are bad. But until your desire for being in the presence of God is greater than all other desires, you will not be able to experience what it feels like to be in the presence of the tree of life. You see, this is a matter of priorities and motivations in our life. Will you go after the presence of God or will you seek other things? You know, there's this perception where people think that if we just give our lives to Jesus— And if we follow the way of Jesus, and if we become Christians, then we're going to have to give up certain things in our life. And the reality is, is yes, that's true. You will give up things in your life if you orient your life towards Christ. But here's the misconception is they think that by by eliminating things in their life, they're going to miss out on true joy and happiness. But I think every one of you who is here this morning who is made that decision to follow Christ. There are things in your life that you've had to cut out, things that you thought you would miss, but yet by pursuing the presence of God, the desire for those things seem to fade away. Because any time that we try to satisfy fleshly desires, they may have a quick fix. They may have instant gratification in our lives, and we may feel good for a moment. But when you pursue the presence of God in your life on a daily basis— the presence of God and this feeling and this, this presence will far outweigh any of the other earthly desires that we have. And if you don't believe me, let's look at the words of Jesus. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When someone found, which someone found and hid, then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Now, when we read this text, it seems a little bit odd because in our times, where would we generally store our treasure? In the bank, like our money, our loot. We, all of our paychecks go into a bank. And so in the, in, the old, I mean, in the first century, though, banks weren't as established, and not everyone had bank accounts and debit cards and all that stuff that goes with that and, you know, $15 a month service fees. Right? They didn't have any of that stuff. So oftentimes if you had treasure, if you had money, if you had gold, you would actually go out to your field and dig a hole and hide it there for safety. Because here's the thing, like no one's going to know where you hid it, so that's probably the safest place for you to hide your treasure and so what likely may have happened here is that this someone who used to have this treasure dug it in a hole, maybe they died, the field was then purchased by someone else, and now the idea of this that Jesus is saying is that the person who finds this treasure was probably a worker. See, if the owner of the field knew that that treasure was there, they wouldn't sell the field or they would go and take it out. So they didn't even know it was there. But here's what Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven. And when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's not talking about heaven somewhere far away. He's talking about the reality of the presence of God and being in constant communication and contact and in the presence of God. And so what Jesus says is the kingdom of heaven, the realm, the reality, the presence of God in your life is like a treasure hidden in a field which you go and you sell everything that you have to buy it. 
Here's what's interesting about this. Is there anything in your life that um, you would sell all that you have to purchase? No. What do we do? We're much more pragmatic. We save. And sometimes it takes us years to save for that thing which we want. And then we purchase it. But you see, God, Jesus is saying that to have this relationship of, with God, to enter into this reality where God is present to you, is so valuable that you would sell all that you have so that you could be in the presence of God. Now, I'm not telling you to go sell everything that you have. But what I am saying is, what is your desire in life? If your desire isn't to live full tilt for a relationship with God, nothing else is going to satisfy the deepest yearning and desires of your heart. Now, we know this is not a new lesson, but this is a lesson we constantly have to be reminded of. Because if we live in a country that is like the richest country in all the world, like, yeah, we have debt and all that stuff, but we literally live in a place where everything we could possibly want or desire can be had at our fingertips. And so it's really like hard to read some of these stories of Scripture because we have so much already. But Jesus says, you can have the whole world, but miss out on a relationship with God. Jesus says, you can have the whole world, but lose your soul. And then there's this next story we want to end with, or get close to the end with. Jesus again says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding a pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. This is all metaphor for us. You know, what is your greatest desire? What is that thing which you long for? You know, yeah, when you follow Jesus, there are going to be things that you have to chip away with in your life. There are going to be things that have to fall away. But as the psalmist says, and as the characters in Scripture tell us time and time again, that until your greatest desire is to be in the presence of God, you are going to miss out on life. And I end with the invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we need help in making you the greatest desire of our lives. Father, we want you to teach us to taste and see that you are good. And we ask that as we read scripture and as we pray and as we notice our breath, that we would always be reminded of your presence. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.